No matter what type of work you do, you always have to be attracting clients and business and differentiating how you are set apart from your competitors. Now, my guest today is a master of both of those, and he's going to be talking all about attraction-based marketing so that you can pull the right people towards you and push the wrong people away. Now, Chad Whitfield is a wealth of knowledge in a wide variety of industries, and he's going to be bringing a lot of fantastic tips and strategies here to the episode today. So let's get to it. If you're seeking a way to escape the cycle of under-earning and overworking, then you're in the right place. Welcome to The Well-Paid Creative, where we discover how to run a profitable and satisfying creative business. I'm your host, Gabrielle Chipier, and I share what I've learned in my 17 years as a creative pro. From attracting quality clients, to earning more profit, to escaping burnout, and creating amazing work you love, we're going to cover it all. Join me as I interview experts and reflect on my own experiences, both the good and the bad. Before we dive into the show, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, hop on over to wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and more. Hey, welcome everybody to the Well-Paid Creative Podcast. I am super excited to have Chad Widfelt with me today. Thank you for being on the podcast, Chad. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. So I'm excited to dive into this topic with you today. And I'm so intrigued to hear more about how you're using it in your business, because you have a little bit of a different story. Not only are you very young, but you started out at 17 and started building your business and you've done real estate, you've done cryptocurrency, you've done all of these kind of, um, um, I guess, industries and topics that we don't normally cover on this podcast. So we're going to be talking today about attraction-based marketing and how you've used that along your way and the lessons you've learned. So let's just get into it. What is this whole idea about attraction-based marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So when I talk about this, I like to start with a story, if that's okay. Absolutely. So when I was 21 years old, fresh out of college, moved moved to Colorado. I had a previous business venture with a partner who kind of left left me high and dry. And that's a story for another day. And um, so right as I moved here, you know, no job, no business now, lost all my money, not in a very good place. And I'm out at this bike park riding my mountain bike. And I, d- I just wanted to meet a friend. So I met this guy as he was pulling his bike. I said, sweet bike, man. And we get to talking and riding bikes together. I'm like, what do you do? Because it's like a Tuesday afternoon, right? Most, you know, most younger, you know, semi-professional people are probably working, right? This is pre, pre-COVID where everybody's, you know, in the office type of deal, right? And he's like, oh, I just started working with these guys and we're buying apartment buildings. And I said, no way. I've been interested in real estate for a long time. Like, I'd love to, you know, chat with you guys more about that. And so I meet these other guys and I figure out kind of what they're doing and how it's going and this, that, and the other thing. And I joined the team. I partnered up with these guys to buy apartment buildings. And so that first week, 
I was doing uh, as cold calling brokers, trying to find good apartment deals. And I will never forget it. I get off the phone with this guy and I have great conversation. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, Chad, I really appreciate you calling, but I just want you to know I've had 15 other people call me today asking for the same thing. Hmm. Right. And so that that's what when this really started to sink in and I really started to think, okay, this isn't going to (laughs) work. If I keep trying to chase deals and chase money and chase investors, I'm never going to get ahead. I'm never going to like be able to find all the things I need to make these deals happen. And so that's when I became very, very focused on attraction based marketing and uh, what we call a thought leadership platform, right? Like just like this podcast, having something, whatever it is you're doing in business, but having something where you're the face of it and you're putting out those things that bring your ideal clients, your ideal investors, your ideal deals back to you based on your platform and the audience that you're reaching. Hmm. Um, and so once that clicked, I mean, everything just started started to change for us. So, Wow, I love that. So what were kind of the first steps that you took to put this in place? Because we have this idea that we need to start attracting people. We need to be kind of like the go-to authority, the leader, so to speak, kind of positioning ourselves that way. But how do we actually go about doing that on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would say it really depends on where you're at in your journey. So for me, I had never done a real estate deal Hmm. while I was going through this. My very first deal was an 83-unit apartment building. I never, I I haven't even bought in a primary house that I live in, right? Like I hadn't done any deals. So the way I came into that to begin with is join my journey. I'm going out on this crusade and you can come with me and learn. Look, I don't know everything, right? I barely know anything, but I'm doing this and I'm going to document my journey. And that's what I did. Right? I talk about it online, on social media, things of that nature. Now, my business partner, he was, he was the opposite. He had fixed and flipped at least 50 properties. He had wholesale at least 100 properties. He owned probably 10 different rentals. So he had some good experience where he could be a, you know, a more of an authoritative experience-based figure. And so what we did with him was we built a podcast uh, called the Creative Real Estate Podcast, where we brought on all kinds of other real estate experts talking about their deals and their asset classes and kind of what they're doing differently. And since he was the face of it, he was able to be the, the thought leader behind the platform. And uh, not only did that bring us a lot of investors, but it also just brought us um, awareness of transparency, right? Mm-hmm. Just showing people, hey, we're doing this stuff. Um, and from there, you know, once I started having more deals and like having more experience, I kind of moved into that space with him and we started to do live in-person events. Um, so this past year we did it virtual, uh, the year prior to that, you know, we put 700 people in a conference room for three days of this nice hotel and just, you know, had this big old real estate bash. And, um, that was really, really fun. That was really, really cool. Um, So those were the two main thought leadership platforms that we had built to start attracting not only investors into our business, but as well as deals 
um, and people to, and partners and people to work with. So. Mm. And you know, what? I love how you kind of highlighted that whole transparency part of things, because a lot of us, we do feel really uncomfortable putting on airs and projecting this idea that we know everything where the, yeah. the super expert, especially if we're just starting out. Right. So how you came along and had that messaging of like, I'm doing this journey, come along with me, like where I'm, I don't know everything. And that's, it kind of mirrors what I'm doing here with the podcast too, because I don't know everything. So I love talking to experts who have that advice and who have that experience that maybe I don't have, or that whoever's listening doesn't have, and we can kind of learn together. So if you have to take any takeaway from this one, people like just know that you don't have to be an expert in order to start. You can just dive in and say, come along with me. Let's do this together. It's so true. And the fact is people respect you and resonate with you so much more for being upfront, honest, transparent with that and not doing the fake it till you make it thing like that is not that is like it works for some people but i'm telling you that it is not like a long-term play so yeah like you can just document your journey and like even if you're fresh in that's totally fine and people will mm -hmm. love that because you get to, they get to join your trials and tribulations with you and so if you are going to be building out that type of brand that type of you know um you know persona in your in your traction marketing Talk about the bad things too. Talk about the lessons you learn along the way. Those will resonate with people more than anything else because on social media, it's like this highlight reel. Everybody's winning. Everybody's crushing it on social media. And if you can stand out from the crowd and be like, look, like, hey guys, this happened on this deal. Here's what I learned. Here's what I'm putting forward. And, and then that, people love that. People respect that so much. So Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the lessons learned and the, the, I, you know, screwed up or the, this went horribly wrong. It's actually a lot more appealing to people because like you said, it's the highlight reel. So people are just used to tuning out the pixel perfect, the super shiny, the filtered stuff. Right. But the unfiltered stuff, that's what really gets through the market. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something about as we're trying to do this attraction marketing of starting with the end in mind. Now, what can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so that's a really good question too. Um, I think a lot of people want to get started, uh, whether it be building their brand online or a podcast or a YouTube channel or Facebook, but they don't know exactly who they want to attract into their business before starting, which, which can be okay. Like it's better to get started than not get started at all. But if you know exactly who you want to attract, exactly what you want them to do, you can then tailor that channel, tailor that brand exactly to that person. Mm -hmm. So for example, one of my good friends uh, has the exact same business model as me. He syndicates apartment buildings. And he has been an attorney for like 15 years. And so everything that he does is custom tailored to attracting attorneys to join him in his apartment buildings. He has a lead magnet, uh, the passive investors guide for something, something attorneys. He has a podcast show, something, something for attorneys. Everything he does is specifically calling out the exact person he wants to work with. And now that does two different things. Number one, when you know exactly who you want to work with in your business, 
you're going to have a lot more fun in your business, right? I think we all know what it feels like to work with somebody that you just don't jive with. Mm. Those clients that are, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's not fun. And so when you can attract your perfect client, your perfect investor, whatever, into your business, you have to, you have to know what they look like first, right? You have to know, um, so me personally, like my ideal uh, client avatar, they have a name. <laughs> His name's Dan. Dan is 35 years old. He loves riding dirt bikes and snowmobiles. He's either a CEO or an entrepreneur who has successfully exited himself out of his business, so on and so forth, right? Like, so I know exactly who I'm targeting, exactly who my content, my brand, everything is appealing to. And so therefore, I can be far more successful with everything that I do because I have this saying, and if... I, I don't, I personally don't have tattoos. I love tattoos. And I make this joke. I said, I'll get this tattooed. If you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. Mm. If you're trying to appeal to everybody, you're speaking to nobody. So if you can find exactly who you want to speak to, you'll be far more successful with attraction-based marketing. We're going to get right back to the conversation because it is so good. But I want to tell you about a free quiz at wellpaidcreative.com forward slash quiz that's going to help you discover the unique hidden key to higher profit and awe-inspiring growth in your creative business. Now, there are so many keys to growth in a business, but they don't all fit the lock of your business right now. That's why I developed the Profit Finder quiz, and it's going to show you exactly what you need to be focusing on to reach the next level. Now, making a decent living from the work you love doesn't have to be hard. And when you answer these profit-finding questions for yourself, you're going to make it so much easier. Go take the Profit Finder quiz today. You can find it at wellpaidcreative.com forward slash quiz and get your unique key plus in-depth strategies designed to help you see growth fast. Now, again, that's at wellpaidcreative.com forward slash quits. All right, let's get back to the episode. You know, I love this. This is such a fresh take on the whole idea of niching, because I feel like a lot of people kind of bristle at the term niche, right? It feels too confining. It's constricting. But I mean, there is a lot of power in niching. Like you said, it makes things so much easier to do and execute on your end. But when you kind of reframe it and shift it a little bit by by saying, well, this is just the person and what I want them to do by the end of it. And that whole idea of starting with the end in mind, it makes it a little bit less frustrating because not only are you, well, it's not, I'm just going to target attorneys or I'm just going to target like lawyers offices or, you know, something like that, that makes it a little bit less personable. But if Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, well, who is this person that I want to talk to and what do I want them to do? And of course, for a lot of us, what we want them to do is pay us money so that we can work with them. (laughs) But we can start to kind of adjust how we're talking to them. We can adjust where they're going. We can adjust how, where we're going to put those, those points of contacts into place. And it just makes it a little bit easier for us. So I absolutely love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. For the, and, and to even take that a little bit further away, like with that example, right? Like my friend Seth, he, he knows exactly how they feel because he's done it for 15 years. Mm. He knows what the billable hour grind is. 
He knows the culture in these law firms. He gets all of that. And so in his marketing, in his contacts, and you know, our slang, right? Different inter- industries have very different slang. Mm-hmm. He can speak exactly to that person and make them feel, not only make them feel, but they will resonate with that individual so much more because he's, he's been there. You can speak to it. And so that makes your marketing so much more effective. And especially if you're running ads and things of that nature, you'll dramatically increase your ROA, right? So mm-hmm. um, I love it. You know, I, I, I personally, I can't imagine doing it without that piece, to be honest with you. So <laughs> I love that. So as you're kind of, okay, so let's say I know who I'm going to talk to. I know who they are. I've given them a name. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I've done my research. I kind of know their industry. I know what they're dealing with, their pains, their frustrations, all of that, what they want. And now I'm going to get ready to start marketing to them. So what sort of actions and mindsets do I need to have to actually do the thing of attraction marketing? Absolutely. Oh, so there's four different stages of somebody making a decision to come work, come buy your product, uh, invest in your real estate deal, whatever. And in that first stage, they're indifferent, right? They don't know that they, they're not a hundred percent sure. They're not quite problem aware yet. Right. They, they have an itch. They have a feeling, oh, I might need this thing. Right. And in stage two, now they become problem aware. Right. But they're not sold on your solution. Right. So, for example, uh, let's let's jump into the shoes of my person. Right. Um, you know, they want to create some passive income. They want to diversify their portfolio. They want to. Um, capture some tax incentives. They might they might be paying too much in taxes, right? Now, there's all kinds of different vehicles for that individual to accomplish that, right? It doesn't have to be an apartment building. They could buy a, a single family rental. They could Airbnb a property. There's so many different vehicles um, to bridge the gap between the problem and the solution, right? So at that at stage two, I need to start making them aware of my vehicle, right? In stage three. That doesn't mean they're sold on my brand. They're just sold on my vehicle, right? Apartment Mm -hmm. buildings. However, there's all kinds of other people buying apartment buildings. So now to move them from stage three to four, I need to sell them on my brand, right? So I don't mean to ramble, but I would say you have to know exactly what stage people are in, right? If somebody doesn't even understand the process of apartment syndication and why it's beneficial, there's no reason for me to be trying to sell them on why my company's better than uh, Joe's apartment syndication company, mm. right? So I have to build out my marketing runway so that I can take, and, and you do this not only with what you're giving them, what type of value you're giving them, um, what co- type of content you're giving them, but also how you're targeting those people, mm. right? And so I call this my mousetrap. And so as I'm ascending my, my, my customer, my ideal client from stages one to four, uh, it's very, very strategic. What the, the exact type of content you get them, you give them in stage one to move them to stage two to three to four. And so I think where most people go wrong is they don't understand that it's a runway. And I like to use the analogy of an airplane. An airplane can land probably on a 500 meter run strip, right? 
it's going to be bumpy. It's those tires are going to be screeching. It's <laughs> the little babies are going to be screaming in their seats because they're scared to death. Right. But what happens if we just lengthen that runway? That airplane can land nice and smooth and you hardly even notice it's touching the ground. And so I think a lot of times people just need to lengthen their runway and really, truly understand those four stages of customer acquisitions with their marketing. Um, so now that you know who they are, now we need to figure out how to target them, right? Where are they hanging out? Like, what are, what are we, are we going to do, um, you know, whether it be your thought leadership platform, scaling it into paid advertising, like figure that plan out before getting started and, and how to ascend folks. Um, and then also just simply what, what those deliverables look like as well to lead somebody that you've never met before in your entire life to have them on the phone saying, Chad, I am dying to get into your next real estate deal. Help me out. I need a spot. There's processes along the way and really breaking that down to a science. Mm-hmm. To, to a social science. Oh, this is fantastic. And you know what? I'm going to give an example here for other creatives in the audience who are kind of like, well, I don't know how this applies to my business. So you have the four stages, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the first stage would be someone who's sitting there being like, I don't know why my business isn't making enough money. You know, my sales have dipped, something's wrong. You know, we did really, really good last quarter and now we're not. So they're just kind of like problem aware. They're just like, I don't, or pain aware. They don't, pain aware. That's yep. what they're feeling. Now, someone who's problem aware is like, well, the reason we're not making enough money is because we're not getting enough leads into my, you know, custom pottery shop or what have you. Yep. And so now they're like, okay, well, how do I get more leads? So then they go to solution aware and they're going, okay, well, I need a better website because, you know, my website isn't capturing enough leads. People are hitting it and bouncing off. Nobody's staying, nobody's buying. And that's where they start going, okay, well, now I need a new website or I need someone to help me with my website. Now I need to start looking for a web developer or a web designer or a marketing expert to help me there. So that's when they go to, you know, trying to choose between different companies to help them with their problem. Now you're job at that point is to create content for people who are at every single stage of that problem, right? And when you kind of look at it like that, then it makes it a lot easier to plan out content as well. Because you're like, okay, well, if someone's just looking for, you know, why is my company not making enough money? There's not a lot of content that I can do at that point, right? And especially creatives for that very pain aware of stage, it's not really beneficial for us to create content at that stage. We can create content more for problem solution and then brand aware, those kind of stages. And a lot of creatives think that people are immediately in that last stage or they're just shopping around, right? But that's not the case, right? People could be like, I just don't know why this is happening. I just, I need something that helps me, right? So knowing that it makes it a lot easier to create content. And of course, positioning ourselves as the best possible solution for their worries and their problems. Absolutely. Nailed it. And Mm -hmm. I would, and also I would say, you know, that assumption that, okay, everyone is already in that stage four, which it's a very dangerous assumption to make because Mm -hmm. at least probably 80% of the people who are there a better marketer got them there for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they already did the job. They're already, you know, that now they just need the validation that the person who got them there is the right person. That's the, that's the mm-hmm. only place. They're already biased once they're already in that place. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing, right? Like at that place, like if, if, if so, they're just, they're probably just price comparison. 
right? And you never want to be the cheapest option, guys. Like it doesn't matter what your business is. You never want to be the cheapest option, right? So, and I would also say like in that stage one to two, like the type of content you can create is just helping them get themselves to a place of problem awareness, Mm -hmm. right? Bridging the gap from pain to problem. Um, And so that type of content, it's not very, uh, it's not very um, intensive. It's just simply asking questions. Mm-hmm. You know, are you, are you, are your sales down struggling because of COVID? Well, have you, th- you know, have you thought about this, this, and this, and try and put the solution in their hands and lead them to it, you know? So there's all kinds of different, you know, creatives and whatnot for that. But no, I love that. Like you, that was such a great example. Mm-hmm. Cause I know a lot of the, the business examples we get out there are aimed at different industries. So yeah. us creative pros working from home, trying to do freelancing are kind of like, how do I apply that to what I do? So yeah. I love being able to translate that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super true. I, I have, that just made me think of one thing that I learned when I, even before I got into real estate, I follow this. Do you guys, do you know, happen to know of a guy named Dan Henry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, this was, gosh, this is probably three or four years ago before he like really blew up. He was talking about um, freelancing and being a, being a marketing agency and being very aware of um, cost or ROI per acquisition mm-hmm. of, of a lead, right? And so what he, what he gave the example, he said, look, if I'm trying to run traffic and drive leads to a Chinese restaurant, right? Let's say I bring them um, an extra hundred people and each one of those hundred people, their average bill is about 15 bucks, right? So great. I brought this, I brought them about, you know, $1,500 extra of revenue for the month. Well, the problem is uh, they have their expenses too, right? Mm -hmm. And if that is only 15 bucks a plate. How can they afford my $10,000 retainer? <laughs> and so when I, when he's talked about that, it made me very understanding of um, being very focused on high dollar uh, lead acquisition, right? So uh, things that have high ROI because otherwise they can't pay your high retainer and your high bill, right? So um you know, when it comes to just agency, like I, my consulting company does do marketing work for other real estate people. Um, but I, it's funny, like I can't imagine uh, doing things for like a restaurant or a bakery or anything like that, because it just, to me, like, it doesn't seem like there's enough skin to go around to really like scale my company with it. So I just thought that was an interesting point because I, I built my businesses off that personally. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ties back in a little bit with your first point, which is starting with the end in mind, making sure that you're targeting people who are going to get the most amount of benefit from working with you. Like you said, someone who's going to make, you know, a $15 sale as opposed to spending $45, $75 to get that sale between, you know, your costs and say right. if they're working on ads or whatnot, it's just going to not be worth it for them. So you're going to have to work so much harder in order to get that business. Way better idea is to target a niche that, you know, has much more of a higher lifetime value or a higher client cost or acquisition amount. And then the work you do for them is so much more valuable because you're bringing them so much more money. And your, your bill, your invoice is like a no brainer for them. 
Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. So this has been just fantastic. Now, I love asking everybody who's on the podcast this question. I'm kind of intrigued to see what yours is. I might, I might think I know, but do you have a hobby or creative activity you do on the side just for yourself? Um, when you say creative activity, do you mean like an art source or things of that nature? Just any, anything that takes, you know, a little bit more right brain, a little bit less left brain. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure if you would consider it, but like, I like build my own motorcycles and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's totally, yeah, that totally counts. <laughs> so, yeah. Like my, uh, I, so I ride a lot of dirt bikes and I have this high end custom, it's all purple framed and yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty sweet bike and I built it all myself. And cool. so that's cool. So <laughs> the reason I asked this question is because I want to hit home to everybody in the audience that having uh, something you do outside of work that you're happy and passionate about and you're excited to do is really, really important to maintain that work-life balance. So a lot of people are like, well, I don't know, I read? And I'm like, cool, you do something outside of work. Like we need to be whole people and we need to be passionate about our entire lives, not just what we show up at a desk and do every day. Yeah. Absolutely. What I one of the cool things I really realized a lot this year, like in my business, like knowing again, knowing exactly the different levels and people I want to work with. Um, riding dirt bikes and snowmobiles is very expensive. Mm, it's very, I know it's my very, husband very does it as well. <laughs> um, and so I've met tons and tons of high net worth individuals riding snowmobiles mm. that later invest with me just, just through my passion and hobbies. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it really easy to take off a Tuesday or Wednesday and go do those things because it's a, it's a, a business, you know, expense. Mm. <laughs> so. I love that. I love how you kind of like, you have fun and you do your thing, but there's also that opportunity there for you to kind of yeah. The business side of things. <laughs> That's so cool. All right, Chad. So where can people find you online? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I love sending people just to my personal Facebook. Um, you know, I have a website and funnels and all that stuff, but I like to just make friends first. Right. So um, if you're interested in, in getting to know me a little bit better, just add me on Facebook and you'll find some of my offers there. And, um, you know, that's, that's that. So <laughs> perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chad. This has been such a great conversation. I really enjoyed having you on here today. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Well-Paid Creative. This podcast is sponsored by 12 Strong, a full-service marketing automations agency. You can learn more at 12strong.com. Theme music is by Silverhoof, and our guests are not paid for their time and energy, so please do give them any support that you can. Before we head out, if you want access to free resources, trainings, and a community of creative pros just like you, Visit wellpaidcreative.com where you can find all this and so much more. Join me next week for another episode as we continue discussing how you can grow and love a profitable creative business. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed it, I'd be so grateful for a review or a share with someone you think would benefit. Now let's hear some more of that amazing theme song.